Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into The Scoop, the number one UNC football recruiting podcast brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Ross Martin, joined as always by Don Callahan. Happy New Year, Don. Happy New Year to you, Ross. It's been a while since we have talked. Um, you did the the big live show with Tommy and Greg, and we did a preview mm-hmm. show before that. But we are kind of putting 2023 and that class into um, – putting 2023 class into the rear view and moving on to 2024. But this show – is going to focus on transfers. How does that sound? That sounds great, since that's what we've talked about doing. Yeah. I mean, it feels like um, your job has changed a little bit with the transfer portal. UNC's yes. approach has changed. All of college football has changed with the transfer portal. So we figure we'd do a, a, a big show kind of uh, updating where UNC stands, um, looking at this transfer class, the, the biggest they've had so far, so far with nine transfers arriving uh last week and this week um and kind of just give listeners and readers a uh, some insight into what's going on with unc and the transfer portal sound good that sounds marvelous <laughs> all right so unc signed uh i guess signed nine uh transfers including the australian punter tom magison is what mcginnis is mcginnis mcginnis like yes, the beer there's no c mcginnis yeah thank you um I guess I'll start, like, what has it been like covering transfers? Like, how is that different? How do you do it? Provide some insight into how that works from your side. It's it's super, super difficult for a lot of reasons. One, these recruitments are very, very short. Mm-hmm. Two, these are college kids that are a lot more busier than high school kids have actual important things to do than high school kids. And in a lot of cases, they've gone through the recruiting process before, have dealt with media before, and it's no longer a novelty to them. It's no longer a big deal. And so a lot of them don't want to do interviews. And so getting information is very difficult. Things happen at a fast pace. So it's it's not easy to cover at all. It's not, you know, and in, in, with high school recruits, if for whatever reason I can't get a hold of a kid, then I usually can, at the, at the very least, I can reach out to their high school coach mm-hmm. and go that route. I can't reach out to you know with uh, you know with with Omari Chapman when he uh, was was being recruited by North Carolina before he, he decided to transfer. I can't reach out to um, oh god, what's Virginia Tech's coach? Brent 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 Fry. Fry. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Brent Fry would answer my phone calls to just ask me you know to answer my questions about where where his uh, former player might be visiting. So, yeah, it's just so different, and, and we're stuffing it all within, what was it, two weeks, I think, um, for the most part. I mean, obviously, we have a lot more to go, but the, the heat of it was within two weeks. It, 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 it was tough. It's tough to do. Hey, you got to mic- really rely on sources. Move your mic a little bit away from your mouth. Yeah, you said you have to have really reliable sources? You have to really rely on sources. Oh, like within the program and stuff, and to see who UNC's going after where they stand with certain guys. 
Yeah, and, and the thing too is I think a lot of fans are like, oh, this guy popped in the portal. He's a, he's a former four-star kid. UNC should be after him. And that's not always the case. I mean, if you look at what you, what UNC signed, it's not it's, – it's just, you know, a four-star guy might not be a four-star guy anymore. Yeah. And you don't know what the background, what, what the situation is. And you got a guy like – and I know we'll get into all these guys individually, but Elijah Huzzy, you know, didn't even have a profile, but yet – I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being the best of this group, you know, and, and, and he is a, you know, an FCS kid, you know, FCS recruit, which yeah. would be less than a two star in our rankings. So, so how do you cover it? Do you, um, I mean, you try to get an interview, you know, yes. it's, it's happening quick. So you, you may not even get that interview uh, by the time they commit. Right. I mean, it, what yeah. Else? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I try to, my first course always is, to go directly to the source, obviously the being the the recruit, and that fails a lot of times while you're covering transfers. But I think I actually had, you know, uh, Derek Allen. I, you know, I talked to his dad for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. You know, because because you know I knew I knew his dad because of Derek before, and then also um, Marcus Allen's recruitment. But Derek didn't want to do interviews. His dad said, "Hey, you know, you can ask me whatever questions you need." But um, Derek, you know, he's done this before and he's not really a big interview guy. So um, but I, so I really appreciate his dad kind of helping me. I mean, going through this list, a lot of these guys, I, I mean, the percentage of guys I end up getting interviews with, I, I'm pretty surprised by. But in a lot of those cases, it was kind of after the fact. After, you know, they had finally made their decisions, I was able to get up with like Elijah Huzzy, with um, um, Armani, uh, or not, um. I'm getting Armani's all. Uh, yeah, it's Amari Gainer. Uh, Armani. Amari, Amari Gainer. Uh-huh. Uh, got up with him afterwards. Got up with Tez Walker afterwards. Um, although I did talk to Tez after his UNC official, but um, yeah. So it's just it's just completely a, a different ball game with these guys and those who follow recruiting know. I mean, you know, uh, by the time Tad Hudson he committed really early, but I mean I had probably done a handful of interviews with Tad Hudson before he committed. I mean, that's just the situation over a, a couple years span, yeah. you know, and, and with the transfers, it's, it's two weeks. You're not really building any sort of relationship with them. No, no, not at all. Um, you're just hoping you can get an interview and then you get it up and they commit. I mean, some of the stuff happens so quickly. Like, I mean, I didn't even know, obviously you didn't tell me cause you never do, but, um, <laughs> got to make great, how to make graphics, you know, on the fly. But, you know, these guys were committing, you know, we had two in one night. We were in Charlotte to cover the UNC Michigan game and, I think that's when the Virginia Tech corner committed, and I think that's when one of the wide receivers committed. So it happened so quickly because they, you have to get a spot, you know, claim that spot, commit somewhere. So it's interesting. Okay, so what was um, what was UNC's approach <clears throat> this cycle? Because they had, I mean, they obviously probably went after a lot more guys, you know, that we don't even know about that they put feelers out for, they try to get interest from. And they ended up, you know, focusing on some guys. If, I feel like from the outside looking in, they did pretty well in get, fulfilling their needs, which was kind of the goal. I actually have a piece mm. coming out later today about, you know, what were the needs? They fulfill them. What was the goal? But um, so what was your take on that? What was the approach initially for UNC football in, in hitting the transfer portal this cycle? Yeah, I think they they zeroed in on certain positions and – and just really um, attack those positions. And I think, though, the the transfer windows, which we didn't have last year, I think helped things. So they knew they could be prepared. Okay, December 5th, you know, this is when guys can go in. Okay, these are the guys who could potentially go in. Um, you know, so prepare for those guys. Um, once a guy goes in, you, you they kind of know that they were a lot more organized. Um, but I think it made it easier to be organized, to be prepared because of, because of the, the transfer portal windows. But also it was, it was definitely a lot more, more players going in and of more variety. You know, I felt like last year it was a lot of like, yes, you, you had big time players, not a lot of them, but you had big time players, but then you had a lot of like, you know, baggage players, you know, players that were a, a four star guy, but couldn't get on the field for whatever reason, you know, whatever it was, so you didn't want to mess with them at all. But um, this was more organized, and 
and um, UNC was able to kind of attack the positions they wanted. But I think the key was they didn't really mess around too much with positions that they didn't need. Mm-hmm. You know, and I got asked a question about a um, a linebacker. Um, I think it was at UVA who had a really good career at UVA, and it's like, why bring that kid in? And everyone's like, oh, well, why don't you approach it like the NFL? Just bring in the best player regardless. Well, you know, there's a lot of things to that. You got to worry about roster wise. You got to worry about playing wise. You got to worry about the implications for recruiting and and all that sort of stuff. So, but North Carolina was like, we don't need linebackers because they had Gray coming back and Power Eccles. Those are two starters. They have some uh, potential behind them. There's really no need to go after linebackers. Defensive back was a completely different situation. You had how many guys end up going in the portal for North Carolina's roster? Do you know off the top of your head? Like six, I think. Six, yeah. So obviously, you needed to get some guys in there. And mm-hmm. um, and and the good thing for North Carolina was they could say, hey, look, we don't have a whole lot of returning starters here, so the opportunity is there to earn some playing time. We're gonna get we're gonna get some um, younger guys in there. We're gonna get some older guys in there, and let the the best men play at the, at the positions did UNC like were there some misses you think on on the transfer portal like they went after some guys that you knew they're going after that they definitely missed on yeah for for the most part you know especially with this you don't get a whole lot of you know my top 15s my recruitment is still yeah. open sort of graphics with these kids yeah so what they, they get five official visits but really most of them at most, you well, a lot of them only took like one or two. At most, you you saw three. I don't know. I'm sure that there are some recruits who took more than that. But I think um, recruits or transfer recruits did a good job of letting schools know, hey, we're not interested. We're not going to waste your time. Don't waste our time. We're, we're looking at these couple of schools. And that helped North Carolina. Now, so if you look at, of all the guys that UNC brought on campus for official visits, and I'm pretty confident I know mo- almost all of them, I'll say, because I know that there's always – I'm not going to know everything. Um, there's only one guy off the top of my head, a defensive tackle from um, uh, Georgia State, who did not end up at UNC. All the rest of the guys did. I'm trying – Did he end up at Miami? He ended up at Miami, yeah. Yeah, Mac talked about him a little bit on Monday. Okay. Because, okay. because Willie Lampkin was had a, a go against him. Ah, uh, okay. We showed yes. tape of, of Willie going against that Georgia State defensive tackle. Yes. So, um, so I mean that's a pretty good hit rate. If you even look at it last year, and I know it's it's hard to compare it because it was a different transfer portal cycle, but um, the, the hit rate was was pretty pretty good. I think there another. I can only think of one that kid that was from. Uh, that played at Kansas that was from the Tidewater area was the only one that UNC was not able to sign and really wasn't not able to sign. They, they, they passed him just because of additional digging revealed that they really didn't want him on the roster. But yeah, I mean, so misses it's, I mean, I guess it depends on your, your definition of a miss. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, only one guy officially visited and didn't end up at UNC, but yeah, UNC inquired about a lot of guys and to the credit of these these transfers and a lot of that is maturity and understanding of the process and everything like that. They kind of let North Carolina know, Hey, we're, I'm already focused on these couple of schools. Thank you. But um, you know, I'm going different directions sort of thing. Yeah. Do you, um, how are you feeling? You, you sound a little rough. So really for the past two, three months, I, I have been like off and on like three days, three days, I guess, quote unquote sick three days not sick mm. and it's usually the mornings are really really bad um and i feel fine it's just uh congestion and all that sort of stuff yeah. i had a big sore throat congestion period last week for about eight days which is really long for me yeah yeah so i've had this this current one i'm on i think day three mm-hmm. and then i know i feel like tomorrow is gonna be fine and then like monday i'm just gonna hit me again yeah. i don't know all right, we're going to take a quick break, come back. We're going to go through each transfer a little bit briefly, um, wrap it up, talk a little about how UNC and Mac Brown have evolved their approach to the transfer portal. Uh, that will tie nicely into my article. It's going to run later today. 
because they're not just going after starters now. They're, they're, they're filling they're filling depth spots. Like you, if you get ten transfers, there's a good chance they're not all going to start. So special teams transfers just got to fill needs. You just need numbers. Like they need cornerbacks and safeties to to have spring practice. Um, and then we'll talk a little about Don. And I actually hung out socially on Monday, so we'll get to that at the very end for those fans of the show who like us to talk. Um, I had my like, my. I went to Florida for a week. Yeah, we can talk about that too. Yeah. The, the rare vacation after a very long um, and tough December of, of work. But first, let's talk about Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com, the sponsor of Inside Carolina Podcasts and, of course, the Scoot Podcast um, on Franklin and online at JohnnyT-Shirt.com, the best place to get all your UNC apparel, sweatshirts, T-shirts, hats, tailgating stuff, basketball jerseys, football jerseys, baseball jerseys. Get your get your jerseys ready for the for the summer. Uh, Johnny T-shirt is where it's at, and all inside Carolina premium subscribers get ten percent off with the code found on the message boards. To so join Inside Carolina, listen to uh, all the podcasts, Don Scoop, Sherelle Scoop, all the inside info, all the X and O breakdowns from Jason, um, and join Inside Carolina and get ten percent off your Johnny T-shirt order. Support them, local, independent, alumni-owned. Johnny T-shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com. Tell them Inside Carolina sent you and use that 10% off discount code. A couple national ads. We'll be back to talk more UNC and the new ever-changing world of the transfer portal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we are back. How's it going, Don? It's going great. I'm on day three of my juice cleanse. Oh, it sounds terrible. Here we go. This is my first juice. If you're watching on YouTube, it's the first juice of the day. Also, so a, you ginger, just, a ginger lemon shot. So you just drink juice and that's it. So I have six juices a day I drink. I start off with just, water and lemon, and then I do a ginger shot, and then I just do every two hours you drink one of these juices. There's six different flavors, and some are not that great, So, but I've already lost some weight. So, But you don't eat food. I have not had anything to eat since Sunday. That sounds absolutely terrible. Yeah, and it was, there were some cravings in there. I mean, we all brought over all that pizza on Monday. Um, but as long as it's out of sight, out of mind, it's been pretty good so far. But yeah, five days is longer than you think. All right, let's get into it. Uh, first, Don, UNC's approach to the transfer portal now. I, I, I talked. We talked to Mac on Monday. Uh, we asked some questions. He talked about transfers. Talked about each transfer, and it seems like they're way more open to it. It's just it's part of doing business now. Like you have people are going to leave you. You know they lost all these players to the transfer portal. You have to go out and fill your roster. So they're not just going after starters. They're going after death pizzas. They're going after people who have two, three years of eligibility to, to fill up spots. Um, is that kind of how you see it? It's a little looser, a little more yeah, acceptance I think, from UNC? I think the way I would phrase it is that their focus is on starters, but they're a little bit looser with that. And if mm -hmm. we, we talked about it, I mean, we're going, I know we're going to go through this all, but just uh, real quickly, receiver, I mean, they, they lost two stars at receiver. It, I don't think it would be a shock to anyone if the two transfer guys end up becoming starters. Yeah. to fill in those two spots you know uh center obviously well at, at the time of willie lampkin committed i don't know if they if unc knew uh what gainer was going to do obviously he's coming back but but you bring him in anyway because brian anderson had to leave you get a good backup there you know the the jack position noah taylor left um you know chris collins left 
you know, Cayman Rucker has been good, but you, you bring in Gaynor to potentially become a starter there. You yeah. know, um, well, well, Cayman plays more the strong side Russian, whereas. Uh, well, didn't Cayman, he play mostly he, um, when, when Taylor went down? When Taylor went down, he played some Jack too, but I think they yeah. like him better at the strong side and play um, Gaynor now at the Jack. Yeah. And then, you know, DB, we talked about it earlier. You lose all those guys. A lot of them were starters. And so you can, you know, bring these guys in and say, hey, you compete for this, for the job. And whoever wins it is going to play. And then also the, the two, well, the one, the, the kicker spot, that's interesting. I, I like to get in the conversation with you about that on this podcast. Um, punter is really intriguing because clearly Ben Kernan is going to be the guy. Uh, but they're bringing in um, Tom McGinnis to at least learn for a year underneath Kernan, and then he would they, they would hand it over to him. So he wouldn't be a starter right now, but he's definitely the future punter, sort of. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think you're right. I think they're bringing in starters or at least guys who could realistically compete for starting spots. Um, I think I think you're right. The receivers could start. Um, the defense, the cornerbacks. There'll be a competition at cornerback for sure. And at safety because they are returning uh, Don Chapman and Geo Biggers and Will Hardy, who end up starting at the end of the season. Um, other than that, like yeah, you're, you're looking at pretty much all stars. Do you remember the the transfers they brought in last year? Can you remember all five? Um, well, there was Legend, mm-hmm. um, Jacoby Cohen. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, um, Gaynor. Mm. Um, oh, Gaynor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the center, Corey Gaynor. Yeah, Corey Gaynor. Sorry, uh, no, Noah Taylor. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Do you know this fifth one? Well, I'm I'm looking at it, but yeah. Can you get? Can you give me the position? I'll I'll give you another clue. Okay. He, go, he went. His previous school was a school that you could never even sniff in all your lifetime. Well, that's a lot of schools. <laughs> that doesn't help me any. Uh, oh, uh, oh, yeah, Alvis Simon. Yeah, 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 yeah. From Harvard. Yep. What's his name? Spencer Rowland. Uh, Spencer Rowland. Yeah, bad radio. Okay, yeah. And so out of that group, you had everyone started except Legend, who eventually started. And mm-hmm. then I don't think. Oh, Cohen um, didn't start. Yeah, and Cohen did not start. But Taylor, uh, Corey Gaynor, great starter. Um, and then Spencer Rowland started the whole season, too. So. And then Legend was kind of that that fourth DB who once Grimes kind of went out, uh, and Legend will be competing for a job next year. The other thing, the other thing with Legend and Cohen were were that they had a lot of years. I think what three years of eligibility remaining, at least, and so they were almost like bringing in high school recruits just because of the amount of eligibility they had. Yeah. Um. I thought it was an interesting quote by Mac. Let me read this. It'll be my article today. Um, I'm really worried that coaches aren't going to be patient in developing players because they can go out and get an older one. And that's going to hurt young players on your team. Because why wait? If you can make a safe start, if you can if you can get me a starting safety, why would I wait on a young one to grow up? So it kind of gives you a glimpse of like, look, why wait on a freshman or a sophomore to be a starter when I can go out and get a, a third-year guy like Corey Gaynor, for example, to come in and start. So it kind of shows you the mental change of approach of, of Mac as well. Yeah, I think it's got to be a concern, but I think, um, I don't know. I think if you look at situation by situation, you know, I mean, Georgia, who just won the national championship, it was built on like big time recruits. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that will say consistent. And then there's some, there's a lot of programs that just can't, pull big time guys out of, out of the portal. Yeah. You know, I mean, Wake Forest is not going to be able to, to just load up on big time guys. That's not how they're built. They're always going to be built on development, you know, and there's a lot of programs that fit into that category. Any group of five team, I mean, they, maybe you'll have a couple that will rely on some kind of uh, guys who, who can't find a role in the power five level, but for the most part, they're going to have to develop their guys and, and evaluate, you know, like they have been. Um, yeah. so, well, but it, I mean, you know, well, two notes on that and you know, Stanford, they can't get any recruits in any, any transfers in it's really mm-hmm. hurt their ability to compete. Some of the schools are like that as well. Kind of UNC had that issue. It seems they've been a little more lenient getting in some undergraduate 
because you have to have a certain number of, of class hours to get in. But it seems it's no longer as much of an issue. Um, and then, yeah, but you look at where UNC's outgoing transfers committed to. Um, you have some Power Five, but also some, you know, Kendall Carr went to Coastal, Tamir Brown went to ECU, um, Nash, ECU, Dilworth, ECU. Uh, but other than that, let's see what else. Yeah, I guess they had, you know, Arkansas, Michigan State, um, Virginia, Texas A&M, Penn State, Kentucky. Were you surprised any of those, any of those guys where they went? Um, I mean, I get no, just because you just don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, there was none of those that really shocked me. I mean, you know, Silver, you look at and you're like. I mean, I guess he's still in a Power Five SEC school. Um, Rara at ECU, you know, you think about it and you're like, well, he's such a tweener guy. You can understand that. You know, I, I just think some of these schools, some of these Group of Five schools, who are you know upset about losing their top players, they're going to end up getting some really good players who who weren't utilized properly or who couldn't break through in the starting lineup. You know, I think ECU is a, is a school that could potentially benefit from this stuff. Yeah, of course. Okay, let's get into each player individually here. Um, I'll just say the name. I know you, your big scoop this week was kind of breaking them down with quotes from opposing team beat writers, or I guess the team they came from, and some stuff from Greg as well. Um, and then kind of what's your take, and I'll give you my take, and we'll go from there. So there's, there'll be nine transfers. We'll run through these, and we'll get out of here. How's that sound? That sounds great. Okay. So quickly on each one, nothing too extensive. Nate McCollum, uh, five foot eleven, one hundred eighty-five pounds, slot receiver from Georgia Tech. Um, your take on him in general? Yeah, so I mean, he's he was the leading receiver for Georgia Tech, which isn't saying a whole lot when you look at his numbers. Um, Sixty catches, six hundred fifty-five yards, and just three touchdowns in eleven games. But a lot of that is because of the Georgia Tech offense and the quarterback situation. But obviously, he's a guy, he's a slot guy who will compete with Kobe Pesar for that that role that Josh Downs has vacated. Yeah. Bringing competition to compete with, with Pesar, um, Pesor. And, um, yeah, just and they need numbers. I mean, you look at who they had to play in the bowl game with Green out, Downs out, and Gavin Blackwell out. They had to, you know, play – guys who hadn't played as much so they just needed more numbers they're going to bring in three in the recruiting in the recruiting class and then bring in two receivers in the portal all right this is the one i think fans and myself are most excited about Devontae walker out of kent state six foot three 190 pound wide receiver out of charlotte uh was originally at originally committed to central i believe then transferred yes. to kent state um but really physically looks the part and it's had some big games um or Kent State, your take? Yeah, so I mean, he's a guy who is going to immediately compete for that vacancy created by Antoine Green's departure. You know, uh, UNC the off. Well, it's hard under Longo. The offense really thrived when it had a receiver that could take the top off the defense. You know, I guess we're still waiting to see what what this offense how different it's going to be underneath Chip Lindsey. But, um, yeah, I guess you could say every offense will benefit from a guy who can take the top off the defense, and he provided that for Kent State, for sure. You know, he, there's a video we, we did an article with. That he ran – the he one of his speeds in that Georgia game was faster than any speed reached in an NFL game this year. Wow. Yeah. That touchdown pass, yeah. Uh, you think he's going to be good? Who, out, of the, out of those two, who's going to be the better receiver? I guess you got to go with Walker. You know, especially because uh, I don't think it's a guarantee that McCollum beats out um, Pesar, yeah. you know, so. Pesar is really uh, good. They like him a lot. Yeah. I mean, he yeah, improves I think he's it. a good player. So yeah, you yeah. got to you gotta think it's going to be Devontae's, um, and then Kobe Pesor, and then who's going to be a third wide receiver? Well, J.J. Jones yeah. started, what, 12 games last year. Yeah, him or, maybe, or. Maybe he gets passed, but. Him or Gavin or Andre Green. Junior. Yep. Yep. Use red shirt this past year, and and he had a good bowl game. They're ready for him to break out. I mean, he's a freak athlete. I know his dad's listening, but uh, mm -hmm. he's he's set for a, a big a big season. All right, moving on. Offensive lineman Willie Lampkin out of Coastal Carolina. Um, 
he how many eligibility years does he have? His one plus the COVID year. Okay. I've been okay. Um yeah, I mean it's the thing it says about him, he's six foot tall. Yeah. And two hundred and seventy five pounds. And that's very, very short for an offensive lineman. Your takes. Yeah, so but he's a kid who you know, we, we've talked about it before about offensive lineman playing, and he played as a true freshman, was a uh, freshman All-American at left guard, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, two-time all-conference kid. You know, it, it's hard to see. With, with Gaynor, Gaynor didn't come back to be a backup, especially after starting this past season. Yeah. So you got to think Lampkin's going to provide depth. Uh, the, the interesting thing, too, is Lampkin, I believe, has a redshirt season. So... You know, I don't know. That's something that I mean, I'm sure that he doesn't want to hear. But, you know, if if you don't need him and Mac, if UNC doesn't doesn't use their reserves at offensive line, as we saw this past season very much. And if they continue with that, you could potentially redshirt Lampkin and, and have two more years of him if that's what you wanted. That's interesting. Yeah, well, he could. He could start it at, at guard. They're losing Ed Montillas. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a, that's a small guard for ACC school though. It's a small center. Yeah. Um, the center is a little bit more forgiving. Is but, it? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Gainer's going to start and then, so you have a, a good only backup is what, what they needed um, with Lampkin. And then, you know, he could provide some depth at guard, but yeah, interesting there. He could red shirt and still have two seasons of eligibility. You got to have a someone who can snap the ball. All right. Moving on. How are you feeling so far? Doing great. Okay. Amari Gaynor out of Florida State. Uh, he played five seasons at Florida State. Comes for his, I guess, his COVID year at UNC. Mm-hmm. Better fit with the position. Uh, very productive at Florida State. Your thoughts on Gaynor? Yeah, this is the most intriguing because he really hasn't been productive for what? I guess since his red shirt, uh, uh, red shirt freshman season. So it's been a while. He's belt. He's He's dealt with some injuries, and that's contributed to it. He's played out of position, as you mentioned. That contributed to it. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, it, it's a um, you know high ceiling sort of move with the potential of not panning out too much, but it's low risk because it's just one season if he doesn't work out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean – you know, there's definitely potential that that he becomes that Noah Taylor in this in this defense. If not, then you're gonna have to find that elsewhere on the roster. Yeah, I mean it's a position of need. They need pass rushers. They need production. He's been productive at Florida State. Um, you gotta like the experience. This guy's probably 23, 22, 23, 24 years yeah. old. Um, maturity, kind of like what Noah Taylor brought last year. Um, you know, high, not not much risk. Bring him in. Uh, hopefully he can produce and be, and be that edge rusher because they need that. They need pass rush. I mean, they need – they just don't have athletes. It, it, I mean, they might not even get – who knows Desmond Evans' status um, coming back. So they just need players there. So Gainer, I wouldn't mind them getting another edge rusher um, for the jack position because they just don't have numbers there. Um, okay. Amari Gainer. All right. And safety, Derek Allen out of Georgia Tech. Originally committed to Notre Dame. I think quickly transferred after a spring or a year there. Um, mm-hmm. And then played at Georgia Tech. He has two seasons, one season of eligibility remaining of his graduate yeah. year. This is a brother of UNC cornerback Marcus Allen, who you think is in line to start at corner next year for the Tar Heels. Yeah, so I know, I think um, Greg actually felt pretty confident that Derek would end up becoming a starter. I think that when we were having this conversation, um, we didn't know it wasn't hundred percent certain uh, whether um, Biggers was coming back, Chapman was coming back. So, um, so that's why Greg said that. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I think he's going to provide some um, veteran leadership for sure and push some of these guys. But I mean, Biggers started 13 games last year, you know, and Chapman kind of, um, you know, played well also, um, you know, had the stuff going on earlier in the season, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, let me ask you just what what's the opportunity there for? Yeah, I mean, I think I think safety was one of their weaker positions. So I don't think anybody's position is safe. OK. Uh, you know, Hardy did OK. Hardy's a, a pretty stable 
uh, spot there. He had some surgery recently. So he's probably going to miss the spring. Um, so yeah, I think it's an open competition there. Because I don't think Biggers or Chapman are some standouts. And who knows, Jacorius Conley may be a factor now too. So you add one more player to the to the uh, roster there. Who knows, they may take another one. Uh, I assume they're not done in the transfer portal. They'll probably look to add somebody in the spring too, right? Yeah, and there's always a chance they add someone later on in this month. Um, they're not. How would that work? Not, would they enroll in yeah, in June? So, yeah, so anyone who's okay. added from here on out is going to be added yeah. in June. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they could add a left tackle. They need a left tackle. Yeah. So. Well, and I think some of it too at this point, my, my and I'm I'm kind of speculating just, but educated spe- speculating based on conversations, is if there's like a no brainer, then obviously you grab them. If not, if there's any question, I think you just kind of go into the spring and see what you have first before you make any additions because the portal is going to have a lot, a lot better names in it um, in the spring. Yeah. What about your boy, uh, Caden Baker? I don't, I don't know. What about my boy, Caden Baker? Know. You know, I don't know. I mean, I was a big fan and what he played some center at one point. Yeah. Played uh, some center last two, season, 2021. And then I think he's played some guard. I mean, but he's never, he hasn't really started much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Played at all. I mean, the problem, and I know that you guys have talked about it a lot is just, you know, UNC under Mac Brown hasn't got a lot of um, reserves in just to kind of get them out there. And I know there hasn't been a whole lot of opportunities because games have been close. But yeah. even when the games, other than like the like um, you know the Florida A and M games, games like that, um, what was it? Uh, was it Virginia Tech that you? No, what was the game? Yeah, Virginia Tech that UNC blew them out, mm-hmm. and they didn't really get any reserves in. It was like they you got know. Then. Yeah, but yeah, they. I mean, he liked rolling with five. Um, Kept the same five pretty much. I think Spencer Rowland missed one game. Um, and so uh, Jonathan Adorno played. But, yeah, there's – I don't know if it's um, evaluation or what, but a lot of these guys – There's a lot have, of, have, a lot of positions they don't – Yeah. Well, a lot of positions they don't like to just throw some guys out there. Yeah, not, so not as much as other teams, I feel like. The offensive line will be very interesting to track in training camp. Yeah, Diego Pounds, Adorno, Barnes is back. Um you know, Caden Baker, Zach Rice. We just need to see if he yeah. plays. Zach I, know, Rice? Yeah. I know they like Trayvon Green a lot. Um, so Trayvon Green might be your left tackle next year as a redshirt freshman. Um, so we'll see there. All right, moving on. Uh, Armani Chapman. So you have Amari and Amari. Amari and Armani. Yeah. And Amani. Okay. Uh, from Virginia Tech. Played a lot at Virginia Tech. Uh, started last, sorry, 11 games in. 2022 um played four years so he has one season eligibility remaining yeah so um this is i guess a situation where unc has lost so much from the transfer portal uh, with strong duck leaving tony grimes leaving um you do have some um potential with with some of the younger guys like marcus allen we talked about legend also um, uh, Day Hollins decided to come back after after jumping in the portal. Um, but um, you know, he's just kind of be thrown in the mix to uh compete for playing time. Uh the one thing though that I guess in my mind kind of concerns me for his uh his chances are that from my understanding, he um he kind of started kind of losing some playing time at Virginia Tech as the season went along. And it wasn't like Virginia Tech had this great defense. So that doesn't speak well for him. But I think what we're going to see in a lot of these transfer situations, not just with him, but I'm talking about more generally, is that some kids are going to, to shine with just getting a new new scenery, new situation, new coaching staff, that sort of thing. So perhaps that kind of sparks for him, you know, and, and just getting into an open competition. Yeah. Wise man once told me there is always a reason why they're transfers. You know, if yeah. they wouldn't be leaving if they were – they want to be leaving if there were some stud that was going to start and play a bunch. So, yes. you know, unless they're group of five guys moving up, there's a reason they're moving up because they're talented and they want to play at a higher level. Uh, a player like Amari uh, Gaynor transferring because of position, you know, or maybe the other guy from Virginia tech 
or money maybe transferring because of playing time. So there's always a reason with transfers. Look at basketball, Justin McCoy, um, Dawson Garcia. Like there's a reason why these guys transfer. But then you have success stories like Noah Taylor, Corey Gaynor on the battle side, Brady Manick. We're cross sports right now, Don. Cross sports. Love it. Making right. the connections. <laughs> All right. Elijah's talking recruiting, talking transfers on a on a Wednesday morning. Just two grown adults uh talking ball. Um all right, Elijah Huzzy, cornerback out of East Tennessee State. Do you know what city East Tennessee State is in? I do not. It's a oh good question. God. Do you know? Yeah, Johnson City, Tennessee. Right across the line. Gotcha. Okay. Part, part of the Tri City area. So um, uh I'm a big fan of this kid. I okay. Think, Elijah Huzzy, hang would... on. Let me, let me get some stats here real quick yeah. on him. Uh five foot eleven, one ninety. And he has two years remaining. Sorry, two seasons and a COVID year remaining. Um, yes. Okay. And he had a bunch of interceptions over his career. Yeah. So the, the recruiting process in general is not perfect. And so, I mean, it, it's pretty reliable. Uh, I'm not going to say the stars don't matter because they do. But uh, it doesn't mean that it – Guys don't fall through the cracks. And we have seen through the years, the NFL will draft a kid out of the FCS ranks and they'll become a, a quality starter on an NFL team. So uh, I think one of the positive byproducts of the transfer portal is it kind of resets things to where it was supposed to be. And this could be a situation where a kid who, you know, probably should have been recruited more at a higher level when he was coming out of high school, but wasn't for whatever reason. I haven't dug deep into that background, but um, he said he has, he has had two great seasons at the FCS level. One was, uh, uh, I believe he was, yeah, he was an all American by the Associated Press um, this past season. So I, you know, you know, he's coming into a situation where North Carolina doesn't have any, any um, incumbent starters. So, I, you know, I think the, the, the potential is there for him to really to shine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, product, very productive at the, uh, at the, is that, are they, are they group of five or are they FCS? They FCS. Yeah. Yeah. FCS. SoCon. SoCon. So he is, he's really stepping up level of ball here uh, from Georgia. I was kind of just looking up some bio stuff on him uh, from Franklin, Georgia, Heard County High School. Um, yeah, I mean, you see what happens at corner. You got um, <clears throat> Legend Cavazos, you got Armari Chapman, uh, Elijah Huzzy, um, Marcus Allen. I mean, you got some guys there, so it was really good to get two guys in the transfer portal. You know, they could probably use it, they, they could, they always have injuries there, they could probably use another as well. So, we'll see what happens there. But that was a position of, of need. Like, they lost Grimes, Duck, Tamir Brown. Um, there's probably another one they lost as well and so they had to get at least just some names in there just to have spring practice uh who else yeah have? uh balfour dante balfour yeah I man i liked him in high school what um what happened with him he played in the early in the season and played in the first game yeah um because i think someone was out i think duck might have been out or somebody and then i think just marcus allen passed him that's probably why he transferred because you have someone younger than you that passes you you know yeah, so I am you know just doing a little bit of really um, terrible digging, but just the first thing I want to look at is just where Franklin, Georgia is, mm -hmm. and yet it's it's in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I, I guess it's it's definitely East Georgia, definitely south of Atlanta. Um, yeah, not really a whole lot out there that could contribute it to lack of uh, exposure. Yeah. You know the state of Georgia pretty well through recruiting, right? Kind of. I mean, the thing is, is it's all Atlanta, really. I mean, you just magically take Atlanta out, the greater Atlanta area. And yeah, there's still there's still plenty of talent, but there's not a whole lot. Like when I go and visit recruits at UNC's re recruiting, I mean, I'm just driving around the Atlanta area, and that's really it. Uh, the rare had... exception is like Ty Adams. Yeah, and... but haven't they had some guys around the border there, like Hartwell and Sandy Cross? 
Like, uh, yeah, where's, but, Be- I mean, where's, where's Buford? Buford uh, is the Metro Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. Um, like Noonan. Just kind of, look, I'm looking at places that I recognize. Lagrange. They have somebody from Lagrange. I mean, I can't think of anyone. I think Luke Elder was from Lagrange. Remember him? I do remember him. Yeah. Think, so I, he, I think... he's maybe the exception, but I mean, yeah, it's a big state, though. It is a big state, but but I mean, it's just that greater Atlanta area is just yeah, where I'm you, always driving around. Has that passed Miami as the hottest recruiting part in America per per capita or whatever? I don't I don't know. Uh, I, I only know what North Carolina recruits. North Carolina is going to recruit Miami, so I don't have like a great feel for Miami. South Florida, yeah, yeah. You ever been to, you ever been to Rossville? Uh, I was at Rossville Rossville uh, Monday night. <laughs> Right below Chattanooga, Rossville, Georgia, I guess, on the line. There. You know, there's a, there's a Callahan, Florida. I'm sure there's a Callahan in every state. That Callahan Motors. Cool. Is there a Callahan, North Carolina? I, I got to look this up. All right, moving on. Nick, I might move there. <laughs> Nick Co. Nick Snatty. I, I think I saw this guy. You know, you don't recognize, like, you don't know what these guys look like. You know, you've never covered them. But I think I saw this guy in the Keenan Football Center on Monday. He's big. I mean, he's 6'3", uh, 220-something. I don't have his numbers right in front of me. Um, you know, you got to love the 44 of 44 on point after tries and 19 of 23 on, on field goals. Uh, obviously, they this move is a, is a show that they are not confident in Noah Burnett. Uh, they lost Jonathan Kim in the transfer portal midseason, and Noah Burnett beat out Kim, so they bring in a kicker with experience, kicked at Delaware, kicked at Cincinnati, and he has one season eligibility remaining. You said you want to talk about him. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I wanted your take on this a lot because while Co does have experience on kickoffs, he wasn't the best. Like that's not what you. That's not his biggest thing. You know, like I think um, I'd have to go and look, but I'm pretty sure what I re- recall from my prior research was that I don't think he handled. Uh, kickoffs at Delaware and he just started doing it at Cincinnati and there were other guys like the Texas State uh, kicker who I talked to a bunch who ended up at like I can't remember where he ended up going but he was like unbelievable on kickoffs so I felt like if if it was just a kickoff thing they probably would have went into a different direction but Co is an amazing place kicker and with Noah Burnett that really surprised me that they that they that they you know, took this kid. What? I mean, I mean, is you? T- what, what's the feeling here? I mean, is I mean, obviously he's coming in to compete at the very least. But I mean, why? Why is he coming to Carolina? I mean, not not why is he coming to Carolina? Why did Carolina oh, want to bring I mean, a ticker? Do I, I guess I think they they're do. not they're not confident in Noah Burnett. Noah Burnett, you know, missed a field goal in the NC State game. I think he missed a big one in the bowl game. Uh, so he missed a couple kicks there late and obviously they didn't, they didn't have confidence in him kicking one over 50 either. Cause they could have kicked a, a, I think a 50 something one to, to, to win the bowl game. So That's right. Yep. And like <clears throat> max about competition with, with kickers too. Like it didn't matter that Kim was on scholarship. They, they picked a walk on Noah Burnett over him. So best kicker wins, bring in another guy. So, yeah. okay. All right. We'll kick your talk there. Hunter. Um, I always love the, the weird foreign guys or, you know, I was actually buddies with Tom Sheldon. I, I tweeted at him. Do you see what Tom Sheldon tweeted? I saw it, but I didn't understand it. I didn't either. Some Australian <laughs> stuff, but um, they bring in Tom McGinnis. He's supposed to get on campus today, Wednesday per sources. Another guy from pro kick Australia. Um, like Don said in the intro, he's going to kind of learn the sport of football under um for one year under the current punter whose name escapes me uh uh oh, ben kernan ben kernan the, the irish guy has been pretty good at carolina your thoughts on this how this went down any insight yeah i think this is a, is, is a kind of a, a cool idea the other thing so he has a redshirt season available so i mean unless unless kernan gets injured um he's going to redshirt this season and have three years of eligibility after Kernan graduates. I mean, this is if this the whole pro kick Australia stuff has worked out for a lot of programs. There are there are these guys are in the NFL also 
So this is a great idea for North Carolina. And really, you know, you try them out, you see how it works and kind of go from there. It's so, it's so interesting because like, you know, uh, McGinnis, I think he's played rugby since the age of five. Um, Isn't Aussie rules football? Isn't Aussie rules football too? Aussie rules football. Am I wrong? Um, I don't know the difference or what the heck. (laughs) I know that there's, I know that there are differences. I was listening to some podcasts and someone was talking about it. There's like differences in, in anyway, he's, he's been playing a, a somewhat football like sport, but not full, not our football like <laughs> sport. Um, but not much like our football um, since he was five. And who knows how old he he is now because there's not a whole lot. He's 21. He's 21. Okay. Okay. So he's not that, he's not that old. Not as old as uh, Tom. How old was yeah, Tom? Tom Trump? was like Tom was like twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. So he's not that old. Um, <laughs> but um, I think his this is a great idea. You know, the outside the box idea. It's so weird because the kid's never been to um, Chapel Hill. And God, what a what you know? Can you imagine if someone grabbed you and told you, "Hey, we're going to throw you in in Sydney, Australia, for the next three years, and you're going to you're going to do something completely different." You know, I don't I know. Love it. This guy is big too. He's only six foot tall, which is you know okay, but he's two twenty, so mm-hmm. he is thick. We Max showed some video of him. Um, we saw a video of all these guys, and he is thick. I mean, I'm I'm six five, two twenty three as of this morning, um, and I'm not. I don't want to consider myself really skinny right now. So he is a, a thick six foot two twenty. So they're adding some some beef to that um, special teams room because Ryan Coe is six three two twenty seven. Well, you know Don Callahan. You know what Don Callahan is? Like 5'10", 230. I'm about six foot. Yeah, two. I'm about 225 now. I'm I'm lighter than you because of my juice cleanse. Because <laughs> you're juice cleanse. Well, I, hey. I am not doing a juice cleanse, that's for sure. Yeah. All right. That's good. Any good insight there? Get to know the class. Kind of a rundown there. Don's takes, my takes. How they fit into the lineup and roster depth chart. It's a new element. A new part of college football. Uh, everybody has to get used to. You're going to look, UNC got 19 new players this week. And I did yeah. the math. That's 22% of your scholarship players. So you essentially um, have a fourth of a new, new team. And they'll yeah. probably be buddies with each other and they kind of immerse themselves in there, but they're not coming in alone. And it's kind of crazy. 25% of your roster has been flipped uh, with the incoming freshmen, 10 new freshmen, nine transfers. Yep, that's nuts. Hey, do you think Ryan Co is related to Nick Co? I don't know. Remember I Nick Co? Get, uh, oh, yes. I do not remember Nick I don't yeah. think they're related. Yeah, me either. Okay. Before we get out of here, Don, you came back to – you came – your second visit to – what are we going to call my house? Casa, Casa Ross? Yeah. Well, your thoughts Rossville? On, your thoughts on the whole – you know, I had you over to watch the Chester Championship game. Um co-workers and friends your thoughts on the experience you said uh, you want to talk about this well i just we we got we got to talk a little bit about some other stuff yeah. um yeah i mean it, it was fun it was good seeing uh producer producer john yeah. you know he came through with the pizza which was which was nice of him and uh the, the game sucked mm-hmm. you know um but i think anyone who would have played georgia in the national championship that would happen everyone's going to you know, or they have been kind of trashing on TCU, but, you know, um, and everyone's like, oh, this is why we shouldn't expand. But in reality, those two semifinal games were awesome. That mm-hmm. Ohio State-Georgia game was awesome. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, Georgia came to play this season. And so, uh, but anyway, so besides that, uh, Ross's house this is Ross's house. I did not hit any goats. I had a hard time finding his house because it's dark and there was no, like, no street lights. No street lights. And then there's no like, like address sign, I don't think. Or maybe yeah. I found one at the very end. It's on the mailbox. Yeah, that's why I found at the very end. And you met some fans, or at least one fan. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's his name? His his name is Wayne. <laughs> but he won't but he wouldn't tell me his uh screen name on Inside Carolina, which makes me very suspicious. <laughs> Wayne's a long time good buddy of mine from Chapel Hill. Long time um, listener of the scoop and all of you in, inside Carolina's content. Finally got to meet his his uh, boyhood hero, uh, Don <laughs> Callahan. Um, 
Yeah, it was a good time. We had producer John in the house. We had Don. We had Keaton Brewer. Shout out. Son of Gunner Brewer. We actually FaceTimed with Gunner Brewer. How was that? Yeah, I hadn't seen. I, I've actually bumped into Gunner a bunch of times on the road. Um, so it's always good to see Gunner. Um, and we had a who's who. You had Don Callahan FaceTiming with Gunner Brewer. That's a, <laughs> a lethal combination there. Uh, and Pat James, who's contributed to Inside Carolina in long form capacity. Pat Stats um, ran a UNC kind of uh, baseball website for a while. And David Ray, that was the lineup right there. Yeah, it was a good time. I just wish the game would be better. So I got to take my my Florida trip. Yeah, yeah. You went to Florida. Don really takes vacations. He deserved it after, you know, Don was on the recruiting stuff, on the transfer stuff. And then after Christmas, you went to Florida. Yeah. So um, spent about half the week with my father-in-law who lives in New Smyrna Beach, which was a lot of fun. Um, Went to St. Augustine for a day, did all that sort of stuff. The other half... Uh, spent it at Jacksonville Beach. Uh, went to the Gator Bowl, which was oh. actually an awesome game. Um, just, you, just you and your you and your family, or yeah. So I, I'm sure I've laid this out before, but you know, Irish Catholic family. So, um, you know, a lot of my a lot of my family members are big um, Notre Dame fans, and then also I have a cousin who lives in South Carolina, so he's a big Gamecock fan. And so, yeah, so uh, we just got, my brother, my brother was already going to be down in, in Florida because he's considering moving down there. But he did a little vacation, him and, and my my um, sister-in-law. And um, it just kind of worked out perfectly. It was the same time he was going to be down there. Some of the other family members came up or, or came down or whatever. And we had we had an absolute blast at the Gator Bowl. There was probably like, you know. I know UNC fans want to hear this, but Gamecock fans showed out and um, uh, they, were, they impressed me. South Carolina versus Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it was probably like, I would <laughs> say 60, 70% South Carolina, um, the rest Notre Dame. Um, I sat on the Notre Dame side, but there was a lot of South Carolina fans there. And of course, I sat in the nosebleeds, but the seats were awesome still. And so it was great during the different because that was a I don't know if you probably don't remember this game um, out of all the bowl games, but it was back and forth. One team would score, the other team would score, sort of thing. So just watching the fan bases, yeah. And then we also we had a little bit of there were some interactions with some fans. Some fans got booted from our section. Whoa. There was this one this one guy who um, I try to think of the actor's name. Um, you know, everybody loves Earl or um, or hi, my name is Earl. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the show, the brother right. on there, the okay. heavier guy. Yeah. yeah. So there was a there was a Notre Dame fan who looked like him, and he had a, a fantastic dance every time Notre Dame scored. I actually have video of that. I'll have to send that to you. So uh, yeah, just uh, awesome time, spending time in the, the beach, on the Did beach. Did you go on the beach? Yeah. I mean, I mean, no. I mean, it wasn't you? I mean, we we hung out on the beach, walked the beach a bunch, sort of thing. But both your, both, your kids, both your kids are there. No kids. So oh, it was so even better. Yes. Yeah, so my, my daughter was going to, um, it was my, it was my daughter's mother's um, Christmas. So we celebrated on Christmas Eve, our, our Christmas. So my daughter was already going to be in Georgia visiting her mom for that week. And then um, um, Katie's mom took Caleb also. So we made it just strictly um, Katie's my wife. Um, Where's Katie's mom live? She, she ironically or coincidentally, I guess is a better word, lives like the next town over from Brianna's mom. Okay. So, okay. so um, grand, grandmother and mother. So grandmother and mother who don't know each other or, or anything yeah, 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 live yeah. in two small towns in the middle of Georgia. Um, so it ended up working out perfectly for us. Just you, we, just you and the wife crisscross in yeah. Florida. That's right. That's right. You know, did a bunch of beaches. It was great. There you go. All right. Good stuff. Good uh, scoop there. Got some scoop on transfers and scoop on Don's travel. That's right. The best travel was going to um, Rossville on Monday night. That's right. All right, guys. Appreciate y'all listening. Um, This is the scoop presented by Johnny T-shirt, giantt-shirt.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. I think we're going to try to keep this going uh, every two weeks as we get into – Actually, quickly, sorry. 
the recruiting calendar. What's uh, going on with the recruiting calendar quickly? So the, um, the we're in a dead period right now. Okay. Friday opens up visits again until uh, essentially February is an entire dead period. So, um, so we have a couple of weeks. So there's potential for a couple of um, visits. Obviously, North Carolina plays NC State in basketball on the 21st. I imagine that will be a big day for visits. Okay. Um, but, but I mean, I think throughout you're going to see recruits on campus um, th- throughout the rest of January once the dead period ends. And um, okay, so you have some junior days, 24 recruits, 25 recruits. Yeah, I think the focus won't be so much on junior day stuff. It'll be more like getting guys on campus. I mean, what's a junior day anyway? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's basically a junior day. But yeah, I mean, I think it won't be these massive like, you know, 50 guys. It would probably be more like a dozen guys on campus at once sort of thing. I think, In a lot int- of situations. I think more intimate is how you worded it. Intimate. Yes, that's what we're also all about. <laughs> all right. Good stuff. We're going to do a uh, 2024 preview podcast soon as well kind of lay out you know yeah we got get to know the whole different class uh so we'll lay out the 2024 class on an upcoming pod appreciate y'all listening and we will check you out next time appreciate you can now relive the best moments of the uefa champions league 24 7 the uefa champions league channel is a new 24 hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals highlights and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.